Welcome back to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I am your host, Liz Fiddler. Today, we are going to revisit when a part of our farm story was told in a TV segment called Land of 10,000 Stories, which is a segment on CARE 11 News based out of the Twin Cities here in Minnesota. It took place about a year and a half ago, August of 2022. And that was a while ago, and I thought about making a podcast episode on kind of the behind the scenes of my experience of how it came about to be on the show and what filming was like, but I wasn't really sure if anyone would care. And so then, but what gave me the idea to go ahead and do it is that Boyd Hoopert, the reporting journalist for the story, recently was nominated and won a regional Emmy for his telling of our story. So I think, you know, enough people have thought it's a beautiful thing. And I'm so thankful for the gift that we were given in putting this story together to have as, you know, kind of a tribute to my late husband and the story of how our farm got to come to be and just the story behind it. So I would love to share a little bit more about my experience. I have it in the episode notes. If you haven't watched it, just click on the link. And, you know, the whole thing was about four and a half minutes long. And it was about, I don't know, we started filming at five o'clock in the morning and they didn't leave till after nine o'clock. And it was a lot of, you know, emails back and forth. So there's a lot of things that go into a story such as this. And obviously the emotions of, Truly, it's a story about my husband passed away. It was his family farm, and I had to decide if I was going to stay or not. And knowing that I was going to stay, I needed to have a purpose and a connection and not stay here just because I felt an obligation to do it. And so it's kind of the story of how we honor him still by carrying on with his legacy. And I really am so appreciative of the reporting on the story, just to have something to show my daughters someday of, you know, what that time period in our life was like, because they, they don't remember it. And, you know, obviously there were a little bit of nerves going into this. I was nervous that people, that, you know, people would think that I was doing it for attention or to, you know, get pity or for people to feel sorry for me when really Boyd did an amazing job of making sure that all the details were correct because obviously dates and timelines of these things are incredibly important. Josh died in December. Davy was born in August. If he accidentally got her birthday wrong and said she was born in October, that would be a scandal. People here would hear that, uh, hear those dates and rumors would fly. So just the reporting accuracy of this story, there were a lot of things that I was nervous making sure that the story was told properly and just, you know, showing how special our love for Josh was and continues to be and why this is such a special place. It's one of those things that feels a little bit weird to talk about because I don't want to act like it was this huge deal. Like I'm a celebrity or I was on the news, but it's also fun and exciting and not everyone gets to do it. And the process was not at all like I would have expected or anticipated. It was a lot more just kind of laid back than I thought it would be. You know, there's no glam team or anything like that uh, when you're on a show like this. Not that I thought that that was going to happen, but I just want to share a little bit about the process of getting nominated to be a story, how it came about, the steps ahead of it, how it all came together. So my 
customer, Amy, actually, I went back to my emails to find just the timeline of everything because it, it really did come together quickly. And then it was wait and hurry up and wait, mainly because he wanted to make sure that there were going to be flowers when they came. Like they wanted it to be a beautiful story. They wanted it to be natural, but yet, you know, if, if they were going to come, don't come in June because June on a flower farm is ugly. So at the end of May, she forwarded to me the email that she nominated me. And so I was able to read it, which is kind of exciting. But so Amy submitted at 1116 AM, she put in a nomination. It was May 25th, 2022. And she said, I would like to recommend a land of 10,000 lakes story to Boyd. The person is Liz Fiddler from central Minnesota. She's an amazing gal who lost her young husband to cardiac arrest at home, found out the day after his funeral that she was pregnant with their second child and maintained their sixth generation family farm in St. Joseph, Minnesota in his memory. Liz is a nurse practitioner for Centricare in St. Cloud, Minnesota. Her love of flowers is her passion and she has so many different gardens and sells her blooms from her farm and around town with the help of two little girls. She also donates the flowers to nursing homes in the area to spread her joy even further. Liz has written a beautiful book called When Flowers Bloom with illustrations by a local artist. I think this would be a story worth telling. So Amy sent that email at 11.16 a.m. on May 25th. So then at 8.17 that night, and again, she forwarded this all to me, and at 8.17 that night, Boyd responded back saying, thanks for the note and story tip. This is quite a touching story and sounds just lovely. I'll be on medical leave until Wednesday, then following up on some tips I've received while recovering. Would you happen to have the phone number for Liz? I'd like to give her a call back once I'm at work. Thank you. So then that was at 8.17. So then at 8.47, she forwarded both of these conversations to me and I didn't know anything about this. And she said, hi, Liz, I just picked up my tulips yesterday morning and chatted with you for a few minutes about being a nurse at Centricare, etc. You always amaze me and I love following you. Because you amaze me, I submitted a tip to Boyd Huppert from Care 11 News and his Land of 10,000 Stories. He already replied to me and is interested in chatting with you to learn more and asked if he could call you in the next couple weeks. I hope this was okay and I haven't replied to Boyd yet. Plus, I don't have your phone number to pass along. Please let me know your thoughts. So I didn't know that she was going to nominate me. I think she got the response right away. was like, oh, crap. What do I? Oh, maybe I should check with her, which that was very sweet of her to, you know, get back to me. Like, you know, and she said, I hadn't replied to him yet. And so, you know, what if I said, no, I'm not interested? You know, she would have had to turn around and say, well, never mind. But, you know, I just said back, I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is so cool. Yeah. And then I gave her my cell phone number and then. I didn't hear anything for a little while. And then about two weeks later, I got a call and it was from a strange number, but I let it go to voicemail and it was Boyd. And it just said, you know, hi, this is Boyd from Care 11. I heard about your farm and story from Amy. Here's my cell. Would love to chat with you. And I ended up waiting a whole day to call back because I knew I wanted to do it if he was interested. I knew I wanted to talk to him, but I just, I just needed a minute to decide I went and reread what Amy had wrote. Again, all he knew was my website. Maybe he creeped on my Facebook page. You know, all he knew was from what Amy had told. And 
you know, I just wasn't sure. I obviously had never done anything like this and it's a very sensitive subject. And I thought, you know, do I, do I want to do this? And the answer is, I know that Josh would have said, you know, heck yeah, go ahead and do it. And so I just waited a day to call back and we'll see what he says. And then it was reality. Like, well, I don't know, maybe they're not interested at all. Maybe he'll talk to me and say, eh, no, it's not a good fit or whatever. And so then I called him and it was probably 10 minutes of chatting back and forth. And then he said, you know, he'd like to proceed with a formal interview. And I'm willing to bet that this was kind of a screening call just to make sure that I'm not crazy or, you know, just, you know, vetting the people that are, that are sent in as tips and how they go around and do that. So then tentatively, as we talked, he said, okay, let's schedule an hour phone call for a couple of weeks. Then I can get the full backstory of your farm and your business and understand how this works. And he was kind of just verifying everything that Amy had said. And then he said, you know, we'd usually shoot on Mondays or Tuesdays. And I said, well, that's perfect because at the time I worked Monday, Wednesday, Thursday as a nurse practitioner in primary care. And so we said, yep, Tuesday would be great. And we were going to shoot for when the flowers were going to be in full bloom. So around here, that's at least mid July, but ideally early August is when you're going to have a really safe bet because you want them to be, you know, really producing and look pretty. So we decided Tuesday, August 2nd, and that day actually happened to be my 33rd birthday, but I didn't tell Boyd that because I didn't want him to think, oh, well, we don't need to do it on your birthday. And it, it just was kind of funny that that was that day. Plus that would give us enough time in case it was rainy or crappy weather or whatever, then we could reschedule if we needed to. So then in early July, we had a one hour phone call and he went back and forth, just asked a lot of questions. I think, you know, the process he probably goes through, obviously he's a professional, he's very good at telling stories and he understood the gravity of trying to get all of these facts correct to be able to tell the story, the point of view. And in some ways, I think... I don't remember if I actually asked him this. And if Boyd's listening to this, well, I know he's going to listen because he asked me to send it to him. We text back and forth occasionally still. But if you're listening to this, this is this is how I remember the facts. I mean, there's a good chance that some of these, this timeline was not correct. But this is this is what I remember a year and a half later. It was really important to me that this story be told correctly because I wanted this for my daughters to be able to show it to them. And in a story such as mine, if one or two facts is not told properly or the timeline is not correct, if the timeline of my daughter being born compared to when my late husband passed away, if that was off by a month or something, yep, that'd be pretty fishy if, you know, oh, he passed away and then we made it seem like 11 months later was when Davy was born. No, no, that's, that's not what happened and people would make assumptions. And so just the facts in this story those little details are incredibly important. And so he knew that. He understood that. And I explained that this farm is a family farm, my husband's family farm. My daughters are the sixth generation. That was a huge part of the story. And at the end, I just said, you know, so what's the angle? And he's like, what do you mean angle? You know, what is your view on what this story is? And he just said, you know, it's it's carrying on after loss. It's what you've done to honor your husband. And yep. Okay. Perfect. Like that's what I want the story to be about really about Josh in a lot of ways. And that's why we have this entire farm and this business. Cause the fact is, like I said, I tried to decide if I wanted to do this and it wasn't, it wasn't a hard decision. I, I knew I wanted to, but I just was worried that people would think that I was seeking attention or trying to get attention because of Josh's death or, it's not like I got paid any money to do it or anything like that, but I was worried about what people would think. 
And the truth is these girls, Vidalia and Davy, our daughters, they're not going to know their dad. Vidalia was three when he passed away and he didn't even know Davy existed. So I need to be able to talk about Josh. And so right now at the time of recording this episode, we just hit the three-year mark since Josh passed away. And when we did the filming for the story, when Boyd and Devin came out, that was in August of 2022. So that had been roughly a year and a half, just over a year and a half since Josh had passed away. So at the time of filming the TV segment, it was 18 months since he died. And right now it's three years. I go back and I watch this every once in a while. And I am proud of how it showed how much I loved Josh. And my daughters can watch that now and they can tell that. And in 20 years, when they are trying to piece together the story of Josh and the story of our relationship and get to know him and get to know what we were like together, this is a piece of that puzzle that I can concrete show them and then they have something. And the truth is when it comes to being on this farm, it, it's it been hard. If I'm being honest, I have made a ton of sacrifices and yes, you pull into this driveway now and it's paradise. I will say this is one of the most beautiful little farms I've ever been on in my life, but it wasn't the case when we bought it and it definitely wasn't the case when he died. I mean, we have put so much time and work and money into fixing up this property and, you know, just every single building has needed a lot of TLC, just a different perspective of priority of, you know, taking care of the farm. And I'm really proud to have a lot of that footage on there of, you know, the changes that have been made. And it's not just me, it's every single generation that has owned this farm has somehow made their mark on it. And this is just a story of this farm. And I share this all the time, but This farm has been so many businesses. Each generation has purchased it from the previous one. You know, there's this, well, sometimes farms are passed down and it's like, no, they're bought, most of them. And, you know, this farm has been a blacksmith shop, a butcher shop, a sawmill, a dairy farm, and now a flower farm. And it's just a piece of the farm story. And so I wanted this professional footage of this time in our lives. And so at the time that we were filming... We were living in the camper, so we tore the house down the beginning of April, and we had the flowers going. This was this would have been season three of the flowers, year three that I was growing them, really year two of subscriptions. I was still working three days a week. I had hired Lily for that summer, and she worked, I think, three days a week. She was here, and then, you know, for the mornings, and then she had an afternoon job, so she'd be here from like nine to noon, nine to one, those three or four days a week, and then... Yeah, we were living in the camper and our house was being built because we tore down the old one in April. And I was like, do I really want someone coming here and getting this on footage? You know, it's literally a construction site. It's not the beautiful flower farm that you would expect. And it's not the beautiful flower farm you have now. And it's not just the house. It's, you know, all of the other buildings that we've put so much time and effort into fixing up. But I knew that this was a piece of the puzzle that I couldn't give them unless I had help. And this was professional journaling, video footage, everything to help me tell the story to them. So I just, I knew that this was a gift that I was being given a professional storyteller to help me tell my story. 
to my daughters. So then about mid-July, we talked on the phone for about an hour and then, you know, we went back and forth. And then he sent me that email saying, you know, good to connect again today. Could you please send some photos of pictures of you and Josh dating, your wedding, happy times together, pictures of Josh on the farm, a family picture when the first daughter was born, a picture when I was pregnant with Davy, you know, just pictures when Davy was born. Do you have any pictures of flowers you sell, any flowers that you donate, anything like that? So he wanted me to email them over. And then he said, if you happen to have a fun video of Josh or Josh and Vidalia, send that to and then, you know, if there's anything else, let me know. So I sent a bunch back. And then end of July, about two days prior to the filming day, I did, there was a St. Cloud Shines feature that came out. So that's a local publication that basically highlighted what my business was. So I sent him this very detailed, like, hey, here's an updated exactly what Sunny Mary Meadow is. Perfect. All summer long, we were trying really hard to keep things looking good around the farm, which is a good habit to get into anyway. So it's not like it was this stressful thing, like this extra work we had to do. But remember, we were living in the camper. The farm was literally a construction site. This storm had gone through that May, knocked down a couple buildings, other like the roof was being repaired on another building that completely came off on our huge dairy barn. There was just a lot of little odds and ends that we had to do. We were, you know, digging water lines. The landscaping wasn't done, just all of that. And so there was just a lot of little tidying up to do. And all summer long, that was kind of our, our reason to stay tidying up. And, you know, I've had friends that have built new houses before, and they've just had kind of nightmare stories about their construction crew. And let's just say my builder runs a very uniquely tight ship when it comes to cleaning up every single day at any given point if the homeowner stops by or subs or a potential client wants to stop by because they're building a new house he does a really good job of keeping it tidy so you know and our camper was 10 yards away or nah, not 10 yards but probably 20 yards away from where the new house is being built and then the gardens are there and customers are coming to pick up their subscriptions so we just really all summer long we were trying to keep things looking good So that Monday, I took PTO off of work, and we were just kind of cleaning, picking up. We were pre-picking flowers as much as we could. Because we knew it would take longer to film, Boyd had said, you know, he made it very clear, like, don't do anything special. You know, when we get there, we're just going to film what a normal day would be. But at the same time, I knew I have to pick flowers for an event for 15 people that were coming that night, that Tuesday night, that Boyd was going to still be here. And I had to make about 20 subscriptions. So I had to pick flowers for 35 bouquets that day. And so that's work. That's a lot of time and making those bouquets. And that was before we had remodeled our butcher shop into the flower shop. And so we really didn't have as great of a setup as we have now. Now we've got, you know, just just perfectly streamlined assembly line. Like we open up garage doors, have the wagons of flowers. Like now, I mean, we have cut the time to do things in half But at the time, you know, we were still just kind of learning how to do things and figuring out how to kind of crank out those volumes. And so things just took longer. And so Lily was going to be here working anyway, which would be normal for her to be here on a Tuesday. And then Lindsay was actually going to come and she wasn't working for the flower farm at the time, but she was still finishing up painting the murals. And so she was actually going to be here anyway and finishing that up while he was here. And so, yeah, the day before Brent's parents came over and we just like last minute, just 
things that we had to get done. And looking back now, I don't even know what we did all day, but I know we were just busy and I think we were all just nervous and like, oh, it's a big deal. And, you know, Boyd's listening now and he's probably laughing like, don't share that. Don't tell people that, you know, you had to do all this preparation. And it wasn't, it wasn't work. It wasn't anything, but it was just this like excitements and jitters. And, you know, we're getting this chance to really showcase our farm and we want it to look good. And, you know, we wanted to mow the lawn, although we didn't have much of a lawn at that point because we were still building the house. So there were just piles of dirt and construction and everything everywhere. But yeah, we definitely kept busy. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and I am going to tell you all about my other podcast, Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler. In the early days of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast, we had bonus Bloom and Grow episodes where I shared some personal insights in my experience with love and loss and grief, and ultimately, we decided it needed its own podcast. So you can click the link in the episode this very episode and hit the subscribe button so that you get alerts when new episodes come out. The Bloom and Grow podcast with Liz Fiddler is where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does. And the weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but also for those who know someone who is by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for your loved ones that are grieving. If you're interested in hearing more, click the link in this episode's notes so that you can subscribe and check it out. And thank you so much for blooming and growing with us. So then that next morning, my alarm went off about 4am because they were here by 445 in the morning because they wanted to film picking flowers at sunrise. So if you watch the video, that's all natural and real. And I think afterward, Lily sent me a text, Lily, that had been working here that summer. And she said, my favorite part of the whole story is the real and genuine sigh at the very beginning, because I had a microphone on me. And I looked at it all and I I sighed an actual real sigh, like, I have to pick flowers for 35 bouquets real quick. And there's a camera on me and like that sigh was very real. Like, oh, this is going to be a lot of work and trying to make it look like it's not a lot of work and trying to interview. And like, I just knew it was going to be a long day. I was excited for it. But that sigh was very, very real at the beginning. So then Brent didn't go to work until about 10 a.m. that day. So he kind of stayed behind and that way the girls could be there a little bit while Boyd was here. But I knew I didn't want them here the whole time or that just... I had work to do. I had bouquets to make. And so Davy was 11 months old at the time and Vidalia was four and a half at the time. And you can't have a conversation, let alone in front of a camera with kids that age. And then one other thing to point out, those that are watching. So Brent and I were dating at the time and he was not in the story. And Brent definitely hates the camera. So he wouldn't have wanted to be on it anyway. We were very seriously dating at the time. He was living with us in the camper. It's his camper that we were living in. And it wasn't an intentional, like wanted me to look like the single widow, anything like that. But it's one of those things that like, okay, we're not engaged yet. Is this story about him? Is this story about Josh? Is this, you know, where's this story at? It's only four and a half minutes long. And so it wasn't this like intentional not have him in the story or trying to make it look like we weren't dating or anything, but he never asked. I never offered. I introduced him to Boyd. They shook hands. It was good, but he just wasn't a key part of 
this story that we're telling right now, which is the story of Josh's farm. You know, we're getting married very, very soon. The girls call him dad. You know, it's it's a different part of the story, but it, it wasn't intentional or anything like that to not have him in it. But I think a couple of Brent's friends were kind of like, oh, well, did you guys break up? It's like, no, it's just... That's not the story right now. Like, oh, and she has a boyfriend and she's in love and we'll stay tuned. We'll see if they get married. Like it just, that wasn't part of the story. But Brent's truck is in it. You can see him pulling into the driveway. So he is, he is technically in it. But then, yeah, we just picked the flowers, showed them everything. I remember, you know, we were living in the camper that was next to, you know, the old mechanical shop that we were storing all of our stuff in. And I was like, can I show you some salsa? I don't really know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so I showed them, you know, some of the canned goods that we used to have on the flower farm. And those are all the little, the tiny little things in this story that made it such a beautiful testimony. And especially those that, you know, if you're just watching it and you don't know me and you don't know Josh, and you don't know any of the story, like, yeah, it's cool. It's in the background, but those little personal touches of Josh mean so much to the people that this story really just brings comfort to and you get to watch it and miss Josh and know that what we're doing is to honor him. So I had a microphone on and so did he and he would just ask me questions and it was just a very natural conversation like Devin the cameraman set up a camera out in the flower field and there was a tripod and Boyd stood right behind it and I just you know I'm not looking at the camera I'm looking at Boyd and we're just having a conversation and he's asking me questions about my grandma and about Josh and about the farm and how we got started and all of these things. And it was just a very natural conversation back and forth. Same thing with the flowers. And, you know, after a while you got used to just ignoring the camera and just keep working and keep talking. And then I really wasn't that nervous. And then Devin, the cameraman, he would go off and get shots with his drone and a lot of the overhead shots. So actually Boyd and I had an opportunity to just we were just kind of alone waiting and, you know, we'd talk about things and the conversation would get more and more in depth. And once in a while I'd say something, he'd be like, oh, hold on to that thought. I want to get that on camera. That'd be a good part for the story. But Boyd actually has multiple myeloma and he has been very public about that. He actually did. There's a story about him himself on the news segment that he works for on CARE 11, I should say. And he's not technically in remission. I just asked him this the other day and he's not technically in remission, but he's doing really well and he just has ongoing treatments and that's just going to be his life. And even though our stories are very different, there is this connection that I think anyone who's gone through something hard, whether it's cancer, death, divorce, the loss of a loved one, some sort of disruption or loss of your normal life and your normal routine, however you define normal, when your world is partially taken away without your consent. And that's how I define grief. It's not necessarily sadness, but you know, there's stages, there's anger, there's whatever there might be. And so there's definitely a connection, people who have experienced the loss of their autonomy of their life in you know, having it changed without their permission. And we were talking about, you know, his cancer and just at the time of the filming, he had gone through some pretty aggressive treatment afterward and he was doing really well, but he was still not that far out from when he had been doing very aggressive treatments. And he told me that one thing he will never say to anyone ever again was, let me know if there's something I can do for you. And he said, 
you know, and, th- and this was completely off camera and we were just having this really good conversation. And that really struck with me because I had actually never really thought about that. And then I realized, you're right, that does make me upset because it puts the pressure on the grieving person. It puts the responsibility on the grieving person by saying, let me know if there's something I can do for you. Okay, great. Now there's another thing I have to do is now it's my job to reach out to you. So we really just had that good connection throughout the day and just kind of candid conversations in between. And they left probably between 2 and 3 p.m. and they were planning on coming back at 5. So I sent them to this cute little cafe in Holding Ford, Minnesota, which is about, I don't know, 20 minutes away, something like that. And then I remember I went inside the camper and took a nap. And I didn't actually nap. I didn't actually sleep, but I just like laid down. And by the way, it was a, I think it wasn't a hundred degrees, but it was above 90 degrees and humid. It was a hot and humid day that day. So I was just tired. I had been on my feet. I picked all those flowers. Lily definitely helped too, but it was just kind of this like behind the scene thing. But I mean, I made all these bouquets and I'm just like, I'm tired. And, you know, I had been talking and like emotionally draining and a lot of intentional, you know, knowing that, okay, be really careful how you word things because, This is going to be a really short clip. It's not a podcast. I don't get 30 minutes to tell my story. I'm really bad at being concise and to the point. Let's face it. You guys all know that from listening to me. So then that evening, Brent got the girls from daycare, brought them home. And then that evening, it was actually Amy that nominated me. Her friend Kelly has a dental office and a group of friends that came out. And I can't remember if it was customers or if it was like employees of what the group was or exactly what it was, but there was about 15 of them. And I had tables and chairs and they brought their own like picnic tables and picnic baskets. And then they were going to just have like a cute little farmhouse farm table supper. And then I had the flowers all ready for like a lesson on making bouquets. So it was a private event that I did for that night. So Boyd and Devin were here. It was so cool that Boyd got to meet Amy and it was the cutest thing. I have pictures on my phone of like she took a selfie with Boyd and it was just this like fangirl thing happening. It was so funny. Like, But how cool is it that the person that nominated happened to be at my farm that night? It just was a really crazy thing that that happened because it's not like Amy's here all the time. I mean, she buys a lot of flowers, so she is here quite a bit. I call her my super fan and I don't want to say fan, but VIP customer for sure. I absolutely love her. And it was just really special that they got to be here. So then Boyd and Devin left right around the time the sun was setting. So it was a very, very long day. And I remember thinking, like, I don't even know. God, I hope I didn't say anything stupid. Like, we'll see what happened. And then it was just kind of crickets for a while. I didn't hear anything. Once in a while, Boyd would send a text asking to clarify names or dates or something like that. Again, I knew that he took his job very seriously. I knew that he would do a very good job telling this story in a very professional manner. But like I said, the details definitely matter when it came to this story. So then Land of 10,000 Stories comes out on Mondays at 10 p.m. And I don't stay up that late. So I all of a sudden I realized, oh, crap, I got to watch this. It's going to be on at like 1030 because it's part of the 10 o'clock news. And so I think the Thursday prior, there was maybe a little sneak peek. And so then I shared the post letting people know that it was going to be on and then, you know, just trying to give people a heads up to watch it. And so then that evening, you know, we were still living in the camper. We didn't have a TV. My iPad kept freezing up. So Brent and I sat on the steps. So it was like August, I want to say it was like August 22nd or something like that around then. 
or August 20th or something like that. It was about three weeks later from when it filmed to when it aired. And I just knew, I think that, you know, that week prior was when he let me know the actual specific date. I just knew it was going to be sometime like late August, early September. And so we didn't move into our house until the end of October. So the house was definitely not done being built yet. I think our porch had a cover on it, but you know, like flooring or nothing like that. So we went and sat on the wraparound porch of the new house that's being built because we didn't want to sit in the camper because it would wake up the girls. And then we like huddled around my phone and watched it on there. Brent and I did. You know, I definitely cried a little bit while I was watching it. It was so beautiful. And then at you know, 1030 at night, my phone exploded and then my Facebook started exploding. And then all of a sudden, you know, Sunny Mary Meadow is getting likes and, you know, all these people are saying, oh my gosh, I just watched it. And then the next day was when Kara Levin shared it and the Land of 10,000 Stories Facebook page shared it. And then I'm pretty sure I got 800 new Facebook followers and 400 new Instagram followers just in that like 24 hour period. So when I say my Facebook exploded, my Instagram exploded, my business exploded. I actually told this to Boyd and he he was like, oh, that's good. And then I looked at him and I'm like, yeah, except you want crockpot growth in a business, not microwave. And I got microwave. And when I say that, thank goodness, John, who was Josh's best friend, was here building the house while I was at work the next few days because I think around 50 people showed up to my house, just showed up to my farm saying they wanted to buy flowers. And at the time, we didn't do any like you picks or anything like that. We didn't have a farm stand anymore. It was just kind of this limbo year where we did, I believe that season we did subscriptions. We did, we did like make your own bouquet classes with private groups, but there were no like open ticketed events. We weren't doing like the brewery stuff. We were doing some occasional like build your own bouquet at a brewery, but we hadn't really like marketed the stem bars yet. And honestly, we were completely sold out. All of the flowers were spoken for. We had private events, we had subscriptions, and there were no extra flowers. There was no more room in the end. So people are like, how do we get a hold of you? And then my website crashed because so many people were checking it. And I just, I mean, the Facebook messages and the emails. So if I had to guess, I got probably 200 emails in the 48 hours after it aired. And I have yet to open most of them. I just kind of ignored them because like, I don't have the capacity to open these. And let's face it, I didn't have Wi-Fi because we were living in the camper. So I had a hotspot on my phone and my laptop. And I just was like, you know, let's just not, if they want to come back in, you know, in a year next summer when we have more flowers, but I don't have time to read all this. I wish I had had the ability to read them because I'm sure they were very like, you know, I still get messages now from people saying that my story touched them in some way or that their husband passed away or their brother or their, you know, whatever it might be. And so I do feel bad that I didn't have, you know, I was just fully committed to what I was doing. And that was being a mom and trying to run this business and trying to still work. I say part-time as a nurse practitioner, but I was in primary care. So I still had 800 patients to manage that I was the primary. Again, it was just it was too much and something had to go. And so being able to respond to those emails just didn't happen. But it gave me so many new connections. So now fast forward, and it's been about a year and a half since this came out. And I think maybe two or three times in the last year and a half, Boyd has sent me a text or I have sent him one of watching it or I think randomly sometime last summer around the one year, I sent him another thank you text just saying, you know, thank you so much for this gift of helping me 
have such a beautiful way to share this story with my daughters or something like that. Or, and he sent me something, I don't know, I was at the state fair and I sent him a picture of the girls with like the land of 10,000 stories sign. And he said something, you know, we were texting about like his dairy farm in Wisconsin or something like that. But it's not like we've stayed in touch a ton. And then about two weeks ago, he sent me a text saying, would it be okay if you're ever in the area, can you swing by the studio? There's something Devin and I want to show you. And I was like, okay, like I don't, you know, and I actually said back, I'm like, well, I'm actually in South Dakota for my grandpa's funeral right now. But what is it? Meaning, you know, I just, I just wanted to prioritize a little bit. Like, what do you need? Let me know. It's December, Christmas time. Everybody's busy. Like how high of a priority should I make this? Just trying to figure out should I take a day off of work and come down or how does this work? What are you talking about? And so then he said, well, the story won a regional Emmy. His reporting of the story won a regional Emmy. There are very, very strict copyright laws. He actually (laughs) shared that with me. They have a very strict copyright about regional Emmy. You have to call it a regional Emmy award. I have to make it very clear that Boyd won it, not Care 11, not me. You're only supposed to have a publication within one year of the award being received. So this podcast, I'm allowed to talk about how Boyd won a regional Emmy, but I couldn't say this in a year because there's now there's new award recipients. And anyway, there's just some really weird things. And then actually he is not allowed to give away the awards. So he just wanted to show it to me, you know, what it looked like. So I stopped in to see it and we took a selfie with it and just kind of caught up just where the farm's at now, how he's doing, you know, just how life is. And it was really cool. And I will say that, you know, initially I shared with a couple close friends about how Boyd won a regional Emmy, (laughs) not the story, not he individually won it. I don't want to get sued for copyright. And originally, you know, a lot of people were like, wow. And they didn't really know what to say. And again, these are some of my closest friends and family. And I talk about this a lot with grief or whatever. And one of my friends actually said to me, she's like, um, congrats on being a widow, I guess. And that was incredibly hurtful. And I know she didn't mean it that way, but you know, the truth is this story isn't about my husband dying and it's not about growing flowers. And I know that. I know that this story is about how I made a choice to stay here on the farm and honor him and look for a little sunshine and happiness along the way. And Boyd, Devin, everyone at CARE 11, thank you so much for this gift of this four and a half minute segment to show the story of our farm and how it came to be a huge puzzle piece of what it is today. And I really appreciate that gift. I've shared this in some other episodes before, but my college best friend that I moved up here with was actually widowed in 2015 and their daughter was eight months old. And I remember a month or two out just looking at her and saying like, how are you doing this? How do you keep going? How do you get up every day? How do you keep moving forward? Like, I don't get it. It was meant to be in awe. And she just said, someday I need to be able to tell my daughter how we got through this. She's going to ask Mom, how did you get through that? And she said, I can't tell her the story of how we got through it unless we actually get through it. And little did I know that five short years later, that would be my life too. And so if I want to tell the story to my daughters of how we got through this and how we kept moving forward, I have to get through it. And so this is just another way 
for me to be able to tell them that story. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. This one's a little bit different than what we normally do when we talk about growing and selling cut flowers, but it's just a major piece to our farm stories. So if you haven't had a chance to watch the segment yet that aired in 2022, go to this episode's show notes and then click on the link and you can go ahead and see it. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast. I'm your host, Liz. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe and rate us. You can find us on Instagram, Pinterest, and Facebook at Sunny Mary Meadow. Subscribe to our email newsletter at sunnymarymeadow.com. And if you have questions or comments or anything to say, we would love to hear from you. You can email us at podcast at sunnymarymeadow.com. Flowers, flowers, we love flowers. Sunny Mary Meadow, they smell so good. Sunny Mary Meadow dot com